Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado. I am a photographer here in beautiful, sunny Miami, Florida, and each week I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today we are joined by Jacqueline Baumgarten, CEO and co-founder of Boatsetter. With about 60 employees, offices in Miami, Ibiza, and Seattle, as well as boats in over 600 different markets, Boatsetter is the leader in the boat sharing industry, connecting boat owners, renters, and even U.S. Coast Guard licensed boat captains with one simple goal, to create incredible experiences on the water for anyone, anywhere. As you'll soon see, Jacqueline's impressive track record, drive, and determination are undeniable, and so it is no surprise that she was recently named one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 women building America's most innovative and ambitious businesses. So, without further ado, please enjoy this remarkably inspiring conversation with Jacqueline Baumgarten. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleased to be here. So, you are the CEO of Boatsetter, a company that I think is a beautiful embodiment of what it's the best thing about living in Miami. Getting out in the water on a boat, it's just a completely different experience. So, how does that feel to be the one that's heading up this beautiful, you know, marketplace of people experiencing the best that Miami has to offer? One of the most exciting things Miami has to offer. I mean, it feels incredible every day to know that I get to wake up, come to work with brilliant, young, hungry, creative people, and know that what we're doing is bringing fun to people around the globe. Our mission is super simple. We are here to create incredible experiences on the water for anyone, anywhere. And that means you don't have to be an experienced boater to get to enjoy Boat Setter. We're all about making boating accessible, affordable, and convenient. I don't own a boat. I have some friends that own a boat, which is, I often hear is like the best way to have a boat, a friend's <laughs> boat, right? Feels like what you're doing with Boat Setter is kind of addressing those biggest pain points while keeping all of the joy and and the beautiful experience of why people even get into boating in, in the first place, right? So. Exactly. You know, you joke about, you know, having a friend with a boat is the best thing. Well, I, I like to say that Boat Setter is like having thousands of friends with a boat. So, you know, whether you want to go fishing, whether you want to go sailing, whether you want to sandbar hop, whether you want to do water sports and learn to wake surf or water ski, you can do all of those things through Boat Setter. For somebody who may be listening, just tuning in, maybe doesn't know what Boat Setter is, let's lay down a little bit of a foundation of what it is, how long the company has been around, what it does, everything. You've got it. So Boat Setter is the leading online marketplace that allows people to get out on the water and have an incredible experience on a boat. What's unique about Boatsetter is that we are a multi-sided marketplace. So what does that mean? That means from a renter's perspective, if you want to get out on the water, it's super simple. You pick up your phone with a few clicks of a button or on your computer, you can scroll through, find the boat and the experience that you want, talk to the owner, click book, you're good. If you need a captain, we also have the largest database of U.S. Coast Guard licensed captains. So you don't have to have any prior experience to enjoy the boats, but if you are experienced, you can take a boat out on your own. Then for the owners, this is where Boat Setter is really special and it set, sets us apart from everyone else. In the U.S., there's about 12 million registered boats of recreational boats. Now, not many people know this, but the average amount of days these boats get used is 14 days. I know. So, wow. yes. 14 
days. Yes. That is unbelievable. Exactly. So boat owners understand the challenge of having to pay for, maintain, um, cover the slip costs, and cover the ongoing costs of keeping a boat. And, and the reality is things break down on boats, especially when you're in salt water. So what we have done is that for the first time and the only place that a private boat owner can rent out their boat and be insured, legally compliant, and have a U.S. Coast Guard at the helm if they so choose, is Boat Setter. We have the only peer-to-peer insurance policy that becomes primary and exclusive when an owner lists their boat on Boat Setter and steps in during the rental. So it doesn't affect or touch your primary recreational insurance policy, which doesn't technically allow you to charter. Right. So Boat Setter is really unique in that it's offering owners the first and only safe and legal way to be able to offset the cost of ownership. And the beauty is that owners are always in control. They set the price, they say when it's available, and they approve every rental. And many owners, when they go down to the docks and they meet the renter, you know, you have a lot of pride in your boat and every boat is unique. So you want to walk the renter through, show them the safety equipment. And, you know, for owners, what we tell them, if they don't feel fully confident that this individual is able to command the vessel, then they get on the phone, they call us. We'll either put them on another boat that's better equipped for that renter skill set, or we'll put a captain on and then everybody feels comfortable. And obviously as a consumer, I may just want to enjoy the time out in the water, right? Going back to like the best way to enjoy uh, the boat is with a friend because I can just get on, have some fun, get some food, spend time with my family, not have to worry about like, am I doing this right? Am I damaging and coral anywhere exactly. that I shouldn't, you know, or anything. So it just takes all the stress out of it and makes it a, a fun experience, uh, which is what it's supposed to be, right? Right. The reason I started this company is because my happiest memories as a kid was being out on the water with my dad, my three brothers, and all of us having a great time. And that's what this should be about. So if you want to add a captain so that you can focus on your girls, as you said, teaching them how to pull you know, on a tube behind the boat, watching them, just engaging with them and not having to have the stress of managing the boat, you can do that. We're mm -hmm. all about incredible experiences on the water. During the research, something that came up was this idea of the, the insurance. This is something that you developed that if with, without that, boat setter is just not possible, right? Sure. So let me clarify, because <sighs> I am not an insurance broker, so I didn't develop the policy. Right. So let's be clear. But what I did, I had the vision to create a policy that would become primary and exclusive to address that exact issue that you said, which is if you own a boat, your recreational policy excludes coverage if you were to rent or charter. So the minute you take a dollar, you are no longer protected. And an owner would have to be silly to do so without this protection. So back in 2012, I knew that this problem had to be solved before a marketplace like Boatsetter or Cruisin', which was the first marketplace at the time that we launched, could exist. So I learned everything that I could about existing insurance claims. I found the top five, 10, 15 reasons. And I'll give you an example. Majority of claims happen when you are re-docking the boat in the slip. So we developed our operational plan and worked with local marinas and presented an operating plan to help mitigate those risks. And then I went and pitched to insurance brokers around the world. It took eight months to finally find a leading maritime underwriter out of the UK who would agree to build the first peer-to-peer -peer insurance policy with us. So Boatsetter exists today and is the only insured marketplace where private boat owners can safely list their boat and rent them out. And they are insured and protected during the rental. So what was the idea for, for starting the business? Like, what was it something that you had always wanted to do? Was it 
by not accident, but by by fate, did the opportunity <laughs> come up? What, talk to me about that. Sure. Um, my background has always been in business. I was a, a strategy consultant in New York for Fortune 400 companies. And that was amazing because it taught me a lot about business very broadly. The challenge there was when you're a consultant, you make these recommendations, you hand them off to the client, and then you don't get to be there as part of the building team to bring those ideas to fruition. So for me, after five, six years of consulting, I became quite frustrated and I wanted to build. And for some reason, right. that word build just kept coming to me in the, you know, in, in the deepest sense of the word. So I went back to business school. <clears throat> I went to Stanford so that I could transition careers. And I took building very literally because after business school, when I graduated from Stanford, I went to work for one of the largest commercial real estate developers in the retail space. And I went to work for a company called Westfield. And there I had an amazing opportunity where I was exposed to what were really entrepreneurial experiences, but under the umbrella and protection of a larger company. So during my tenure there, I did two things. I managed one of the largest developments in the city of LA, which was a 34-acre mixed-use parcel, uh, a mixed-use project on a 34-acre parcel in LA, which was incredible because I believe at the time I was the only developer under the age of 45 and I was one of the only female developers. Awesome. So the learning experience there was huge. And what that taught me was how to lead teams of people who were a lot more experienced and seasoned than I was, how to set timelines, goals, how to get everyone galvanized around a shared vision. And that included, I had to oversee entitlements, feasibility, pre-construction, financing, working with the city and the local agencies to get you know buy-in uh, while we were going through the EIR report. And it was such a wonderful learning experience for me. And what happened was we were swimming along beautifully and this incredible vision of this 2 million square foot mixed use project in the city of LA was planned. And then 2009 hit. Oh. Yes. Oh, is right. And so the company decided at that point, it didn't make sense to write a check and continue to build what would have been a billion dollar project. And I understood that. So we took the entitlements, we shelved them. And then I worked and was paired with a gentleman who ran all of operations and marketing for, at that time, there were about 64 centers. And he said to me, Jackie, find a way to make more money out of our existing centers. So that was my second entrepreneurial experience where I wrote the business plan and helped a small team launch within Westfield called Westfield Media Group, which was fantastic because that was all about planning out the business model, pitching it to the board to get funding, going out, building signage, bringing out of home sales teams in. And that was my second real entrepreneurial venture. But it didn't include the challenges that a new time, um, you know, a first time founder would face with fundraising, building teams from scratch, finding resources from, you know, unknown locations. So after doing that, you know, that was a huge success for the company. And I then met my now husband who knew that I wanted to build something on my own. But the truth is at the time, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to build. So he encouraged me to take a leave of absence and figure it out. And if you can imagine, I was type A, dedicated, you know, 80 hours a week, workaholic. And the thought of leaving to figure something out before I had it in hand was, it it didn't calculate. It was, you know, (laughs) my brain was uh, backfiring. It was meltdown. And, you know, he convinced me, do this. It'll be the best thing that you can do. It'll bring clarity and you'll have the time to decide what really makes you happy. And thank goodness I took his advice and we actually hit the pause button and he took me to Berlin 
And we spent several months in Berlin, and I took that time to start to really think about what I wanted to do, quote unquote, when I grew up, so right. to speak. And the beauty is having spent, you know, at that point, 10, 15 years in corporate America, I had a sense of confidence. I knew how to lead teams. I knew how to manage. I had all of the infrastructure and the training um, and the confidence to now go out and start my own project. Right. I really think that's important. You know, I get a lot of kids coming out of college asking me, should I go out and just start building my idea? And, you know, there is no right or wrong way to become an entrepreneur. But I do believe you have an advantage when you know yourself and you've built a foundation of, of skills, of processes, of structures, of discipline, of just general EQ and man, you know, people management skills in working under an, in another organization before jumping out to right. start your own organization. And so that was the path that I took. And during that time of thinking about what I wanted to do, I kept coming back to my happiest memories as a kid was being out on the water outside on a lake outside of Chicago with my dad and my brothers every summer. It was the one time my dad, who also, like me as a workaholic, was totally present. Present, right. You know, and grounded. And those memories last a lifetime. So I thought, how amazing would it be back in 2012 when this idea started to germinate to be able to bring this experience to the masses? Why should boating be inaccessible? Why should it be something that only the wealthy can enjoy? And at that time, you know, we had seen the success of companies like Airbnb, Get Around, Relay Rides, which is now Toro, taking these expensive, underutilized assets and helping owners monetize them. So bells went off for me because while I'm thinking about this, this is where fate played a little bit of a role. My two brothers who both own boats at the end of 2012 called me two weeks apart from each other, both of them complaining that they were going to have to sell their boats because they hadn't used them once the entire year. And I thought, wow. my goodness, if this isn't a sign that I'm on the right path. So that's when I began that eight-month journey of figuring out how to solve the underlying insurance challenge. <clears throat> it took eight months to find a leading maritime underwriter out of the UK who eventually agreed to shape this policy with me. And when we put it in place, I asked him for exclusivity for the policy. And he said to me, sure. Just write me a check for a million dollars. Well, let me rewind a little bit. When I decided to take this leap of faith, quit my job, and start this company, I had taken all of the money that I had made in corporate America, which I had invested in my condo in LA. I had put that condo on the market, put everything I owned in storage, and that was my seed capital. So I didn't take a salary for two years, and I wasn't in a position to write a check for a million dollars to secure the insurance. Wow. So as a result, we had the insurance. We launched the first sort of prototype of the company, which at the time was called Cruisin.com. And the insurance was then utilized by two other companies in the U.S. And over the years since then, we have acquired and merged. So we are the only leading marketplace in the U.S. And back in 2015, I moved from San Francisco here to Florida to merge with my partner, a gentleman named Andy Sterner who is now my chairman, and he's a, a marine industry expert. So we merged our companies, and that's when the boat setter name became sort of the joint brand, and we've been growing the company ever since. Wow, that's an incredible story. So you glossed over a couple of incredible parts there of like <laughs> that just highlight your commitment to this dream and your, I want to say the word tenacity of saying like this is 
I'm going to do this one way or another. Mm-hmm. Where does that, what do you think that comes from? You know, I mean, this is something that, that I've carried with me ever since I was a child. Like, I don't take no well. <laughs> and if somebody tells me it can't be done, it just lights a fire in me and says, well, logically, it should be able to be done. So I'm going to figure out how to do it. And you're right. I mean, the number of no's that I received were countless, including some of the largest owners of marinas that told me, Owners will never agree to let a stranger on their boat. That was the number one hurdle I kept hearing. And then number two was the insurance doesn't exist. You're never going to get an insurance company to agree to this. Well, that's that's fuel for me. You know, I mean, that's like fodder into the fire. Right. I'll prove you wrong. And uh, how does one nurture that as an individual? I don't know. I think you're either born with it or you're not. I've been that way since I was a kid. Um, to is the that point- kind of, is that something that like you maybe grew up watching with your parents or something like that that are like entrepreneurial figure it out as you go along kind of attitude or or was that something that you just innately born with I I don't know I mean if I were to play psychologist 101 which I am not trained in I mean if I if I really try to be introspective about it I I think it comes back to a couple of things one yes I come from a family of serial entrepreneurs three generations of entrepreneurs. So uh, I've seen I, I've seen my father, my grandfather, my older brother all start their own companies. But I think when it comes to my tenacity, um, I'm one of four kids. I have three brothers. And truth be told, I grew up in a pretty chauvinistic family. And so as a young girl, you I, had to be. <laughs> I, I always <laughs> wanted to prove that I can do it, if not just as well, right. but better. So I think, you know, ever since I was a kid, whether it was sports, whatever my brothers were doing, I wanted to do, and I wanted to show that I could beat them at it. And right. I think that just grew from there. Um, and, you know, finally earning at thir- by the age of 13, my, my dad realized I meant business. Like I wanted to, I had this vision of one day running my own company. And, you know, I did well in school and he became my biggest cheerleader which was amazing. So I think it starts early. You know, I think there's a a variety of circumstances that may influence individuals' level of tenacity or lack thereof. But uh, mine's been there pretty early on and to the point where I don't quit things. And that can be a problem sometimes. It it, it is a pathology. Everybody has their own crazy in their own way, right? (laughs) And I do believe that most successful entrepreneurs are probably off the charts in in one way or another. And mine is, you know, that tenacity and that that workaholic nature. That's awesome. And it has gotten you and the company where it is today. So share with the listeners a little bit of, if I log on to Boat Setter right Mm -hmm. now, where can I rent boats? How many different boats may I have access to all of that? Great question. So Boat Setter is a global marketplace today. We have boats in over 600 markets and we're growing every day. We have about 60 employees during peak season. We have our main offices are here in Fort Lauderdale, but we also have two satellite offices, one in Ibiza of all places. Of course. And the other is in Seattle. So we're a growing team. We have a very bright and talented team here that shares this very aggressive vision of being the global leader in bringing incredible experiences to people on the water. Something else that came up during the research and and that you've kind of touched on a little bit on your experience in other businesses and everything is how important culture is for you. No doubt. So let's talk about that a little bit in terms of corporate culture. What has that been for Boat Setter? Where where does that come from? Well, first I have an allergic reaction to corporate culture because there's nothing about us that's corporate. Um, But I have 
I, I come from large corporate culture experiences. And it was an incredible learning ground for me to identify what I didn't want to experience every day. Siloed, limited exposure, people wanting you to stay in your lane and not encouraging creativity or people who want to take on more responsibility. Um, and politics. I think politics are the death of productivity. So when starting Boatsetter and cruising, we very deliberately focus on some core values. And that is <laughs> GSD, which, you know, you Get can, done. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we even have every month, everybody in the company votes on their colleagues and identifies who they thought got the most stuff done and writes about it, and we read it off and celebrate it, and there's a trophy, there's a jacket that they get handed down, they get the key parking spot out in the back. Nice. Um, it, it's really a core part of our culture, and collaboration is also a critical component of our culture. Here, if, if I ever hear somebody say, that's not my job, then it's not going to be their job for very long because they'll be walked out the door. Right. Um, what we do here is if there's a problem, we lock arms. We are together in the trenches solving problems every day. And everybody here has a voice and they're expected to use it and their voice is respected. That is the opposite of what I had experienced in a lot of corporate environments. And that is something that we focused on nurturing very early on here. So yes, culture is important, but I think it's more of, um, of just a reflection of the leadership and the core values of those of us who are running the organization. And right. it morphs on its own. And what I love seeing now is that some of our newer employees and at all levels of the company, they're taking ownership of this. That's what I was going to say, because it, it usually what I find is that as a company grows, it either becomes one or two ways. One, it becomes harder to maintain that original culture, just because once you go past, let's say, 20, 30, 40 employees, then it starts getting a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. Or, which sounds what's happening with you is, it becomes a little bit easier because then the team itself becomes like, helps you keep it alive. I mean, the, the way I see it, it's a living, breathing thing. I seeded it a couple of years ago and try and water it here and there. Right. But it's taking shape on its own based on the input of everybody in this company. Some of the team members have started uh, social outreach activities on their own and bringing the team in. Others have done groupings of going out and doing wall climbing after hours to build a bond. And, you know, that wasn't initiated by me. It, it was nurtured and developed internally within the company. And, and I totally understand that as we grow, personally, I will have less influence on that. But that's good. That's natural. The company in and of itself has its own living, breathing, dynamic culture. And, you know, I think if there's anything that I would say about being in a startup is you have to make sure that your, your values align with what we're trying to do. You know, startups are high risk. They're not necessarily the best paid positions, but I believe by far they are the most rewarding because you get to come to work every day and have clear visibility about how everything you do either touches the customer directly, touches the product directly. You see the impact that you make as an individual contributor here to the team members, and to our broader community every day. You are literally building something that impacts others. And in a large company, that doesn't exist. But here, I can guarantee you, if you talk to anyone out on that floor and ask them what they do and how it either impacts the customer or the product, they will have a clear crystal answer for you. We have our CEO huddle every month. 
And we have our core metrics, our, our KPIs, as we call them. And that's what you saw on the four digital billboards on the wall in front of everybody. And everyone knows what our goal is and what we're tracking to. And on a monthly basis, we meet and every division head talks about what we achieved, what we missed, if we missed, why we missed, what we tested and either succeeded at or failed at. And failure is okay as long as we learn from it and we adjust. And so we actually celebrate that and have people talk about um, you know, those experiences and what the learnings were. And then we talk about what the next goal is and what we're going to be doing in the next 30 days to hit the next target. So being data-driven and having very clear goals um, defined is really important for motivating and keeping that team moving forward. Right. right. Obviously, with social media and all of these things that are happening today, like, you know, millennials, we want more experiences rather than to buy things and all. So the world is quickly changing and evolving as it always is. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the boating industry headed? Where do you see yourself? Where do you see the place for boats that are in that world? First, let me start with some of the trends we're seeing now. Then I'll address where I see boats that are in the next three to five years. And then we can talk about the impacts that has on the industry, potentially. So first, the trends. You are correct in that millennials would prefer to pay for experiences rather than having that need and that sense of desire to own the asset, much like baby boomers used to. And so we are seeing that every day on the marketplace. Historically, your average boat owner is 58 years and aging, and it's a Caucasian male. Our users, 79% of our renters are under the age of 45, 53% are millennials, and Gen Z is our fastest growing segment, and this is the part I love the most. 36% of our renters are women. We are turning this industry on its head and we are doing what we set out to do, which is making boating accessible to anyone. Wow. Yeah. So that's the trends. Where do I see boat setter moving? Let's start talking about the product. For us, it's about creating a world-class product that makes the experience seamless and easy for users. And so today, when you go to boatsetter.com, the way it works is you search the destination. Then you're going to get a list of boats that you can start to filter by boat size, type, criteria. And, and what we're finding is, as you said, a lot of millennials, a lot of our renters don't know the difference between a cruiser and a, a, you know, a Sea Ray or a Bayliner. Uh, and what they do know is what they want to do when they're on the boat. They have in their mind a vision of the experience they want to have. So I would say in three years, I would expect to see significant changes on boatsetter.com where the user journey will be more about the experience you want to have and booking right. that as opposed to per the boat per se. <clears throat> so directionally, that's where I see us going. So in like saying like, I want to go out lobster fishing with a couple of buddies and mm -hmm. then the system would automatically recommend the best type of boat because I may pick the wrong type of boat to do that in. Got it. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, some of the, the more frequent experiences that we're seeing now, which is really interesting, bachelor bachelorette parties, um, okay. fishing excursions, sandbar hopping, we're, we're seeing a lot of behaviors and activities that people want to do naturally. We even get a lot of requests for proposals. So we can put together a killer wedding proposal if you want a special package That's with flowers, so cool. champagne. And so we're, we're starting to do that. And we do build the experiences behind the scene. You just don't see it right now when you go to the homepage. But we have, you know, Tapas and Mar, which is out of Barcelona. You can get out on a catamaran. We have a local sommelier that'll make paella and you can taste local wines while touring the bay. Um, we have some experiences here with professional wake surfers teaching you how to wake surf. We have one called um, uh, Planet, I 
forget what it's called, but Mr. Planet, where he is a science professor that takes you out and shows you healthy waterways and ecosystems versus some of the impact that pollution has had on on some of our waterways here wow, in Miami. Wow, that is so cool. So we are testing and offering unique experiences, and eventually the product will reflect that directly. But my recommendation is if there's something that you want to do, I would get on the phone and call the Boat Setter Help Desk and tell them, and they will help shape it and build it for you. So you mentioned a little bit of your background in boating. Um, some of your favorite childhood memories come from that and everything. Anyone that kind of comes to mind in, in terms of those childhood memories that you go, man, this was awesome. And what are some of the things that you took away from that? Yeah, there's one memory that keeps repeating in my mind. And it was, you know, 4th of July out on Fox Lake outside of Chicago with my parents and my three brothers when we were kids, just seeing the fireworks, having our little, you know, picnic on the boat, getting out and swimming in the water. You know, it's it's not about necessarily what we were doing. It was about the fact that we were all present and those memories form and last a lifetime. I'm 41 now and I'm remembering memories from when I was eight and nine and 10 years old. So the fact that that can influence, you know, one's path and, and recall these amazing memories of, of happiness, I would love that to be available to everyone. And it should be. And that's what we're working on doing. And the fact that you can probably, like, if you go on Instagram or if you you know, know some of the users that may be renting, some of those people may already be having those same experiences of taking a boat out on the water on the 4th of July. And like, oh, absolutely. To think that like, okay, I'm helping remake those memories with other people and other kids must feel incredible. It is. It is so much so that we work with our insurance partner to make sure that you can take the boat out after dark with a licensed captain at the helm so that you don't miss the fireworks. Of I mean, I was not going to let that experience <laughs> go by. So yes, love we it. we are all about creating incredible memories for people. That's our goal. Love it, love it. So obviously you don't get to where you are today. Um, if you talk to enough entrepreneurs, you know that there's plenty of setbacks, plenty of issues that you have to work through. Mm -hmm. um, any that come to mind, anything like that, that you go, man, this is, this is something that I went through, but this is the lesson that I got from it. And this is why I think it's important for people to kind of keep on moving forward if you want to do something like this. <laughs> I think your statement about an entrepreneur facing a lot of challenges along the way is an understatement. Um, the journey is a challenging one. And as an entrepreneur, you meet obstacles and challenges on a daily basis. And I think what sets one apart from another is that tenacity, that stick to itness. You know, are you willing to pick your head up and not wallow in the self pity and figure out a solution? There are endless experiences, like countless that I can reference that I've had, where that quality of leaning on that tenacity and knowing that, okay, I'm allowed my moment to, to feel sad, maybe even shed some tears, but it's time to, to brush off my knees and figure out a solution. Um, and, you know, there are probably four or five examples of that, you know, that I can speak to. One is fundraising. The other was securing strategic partnerships for the company. It's been very difficult to go out and fundraise when you're a first-time founder. And I'd say as a, as a female right. founder. That's what I was going to say, yeah. And so you have to know your business better than most. You have to be impermeable. Any question they throw at you, you have to know how to answer, which means you have to be better prepared, better equipped, and that means doing your homework and putting in the hours and the time. And what I found in fundraising, as you go through the life cycle of a company, 
early on, it's about finding people who believe in you because you won't have the traction and the proof points in the entity. And there, there's a ton of angel investors out there and a lot of people who are interested in learning about new opportunities. And a lesson that I learned over time that I wish someone had told me earlier on was your one irreplaceable resource is your energy and your time. As an entrepreneur, you have a very limited runway and you only have so much energy. So my advice would be you have to be fiercely protective of your time. And in doing so, that means you have to build certain skills. And that means reading people. That means reading when a no is actually meant, even though it isn't uttered. So you don't waste time having that second, third, fourth coffee with a potential investor. Um, it means understanding when someone says, come back to me when you've achieved X, that's a no, <laughs> move on. Um, and it means focusing on the most critical priorities to get you to the next milestone that'll get you your funding. I think a lot of time was wasted early on. And as an early entrepreneur looking to others to provide funding, aside from my initial seed capital, I think we tend to give too much weight externally to, to these investors in that, well, I have to make them happy. I want them to be happy about what we're doing. But the truth is you have to be true to yourself and the amount of energy that you have so that you dedicate that energy to your team, to your product, to your company. And the minute you switch the mindset to they're doing me a favor to it is an honor and a privilege for them to be able to invest in this company and join us on this journey. The minute that switches in your brain, that's when everything changes. Right. And that's what's needed as an entrepreneur. So a lot of it is, you know, emotional self-regulation, self-awareness, and getting the right perspective to be able to focus your limited energy on what matters. Product, product market fit, building your team, and getting proof points. Because I will tell you, when I moved past the angel stage and we had a product and proven product market fit, I was able to tell the story down to a unit economic basis that was so compelling that an investor absolutely would want to invest. And it is a privilege to be part of what we're building. And so I wish someone had helped me learn that lesson sooner. Any people that come to mind, whether it's mentors or any other people along the way that, that you feel played a great role in your life, influenced you in, in a positive way that you, you probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the influence that they had in your life? I am really pleased to be able to say this today that I have been exceptionally privileged to have wonderful mentors all along the way. And having good mentors is a two-way street. It's one thing getting someone to come to the table and to give you advice. It's another thing being a good mentee, either executing, coming back to your mentor and showing them that you've implemented and tested and this is what happened. Now let's reiterate together. Being collaborative and not letting ego get in the way is essential to really building the right bonds and getting the most out of your mentors. For me, my mentors have ranged from, you know, Bill Anderson, the CEO of West Trek Marinas, the largest marina owner operator back when I launched this, or uh, when I launched Cruisin, coaching me and giving me access to his marinas and his client base, to my current board. I'm privileged to have the board that we have from Lawrence Tosi, who is the former CFO of Blackstone Capital and the former CFO of Airbnb and a very seasoned professional himself, the advice that I can get from him in terms of product marketplace building is priceless. You know, I mentioned Andy Sterner, my, my chairman. He has both entrepreneurial early stage tech experience 
as well as Marine experience, and being able to seek his advice and guidance is also priceless. So the value of mentors, you know, is is priceless. I know I've said that once or twice, but it's only valuable if you're willing to put in the time to build those relationships, heed the advice, or at least the, the elements that you know can be applied and tested in short order, and then sharing that feedback back with your mentor. Something that just kind of popped into my head was about the earlier conversation that we were having around so much of what you learned going through your corporate experience, right? And it is so often that I hear a lot of people who are being sought after to become mentors that the people who want to follow them and shadow them are trying to learn some of these things that you would pick up if you just went and worked for corporate for, you know, a few months or years. Um, whereas the mentorship that you're getting right now, it's just, you're getting higher level value, not just stuff that you could have picked up if you just worked somewhere else for a couple of years. You know, I mean, there's the basic foundation of going to business school, going to work for another organization, and there you learn critical tools that you can apply in your entrepreneurial future path, different frameworks, different processes, different reporting techniques. These are things that you don't necessarily need to tap critical mentors to teach right. you. You can learn that on your own, and one should learn that before right. starting their own venture. Where mentors take it to the next level is when I'm thinking about, for example, when I'm facing major corp dev decisions, I want to strike a global partnership that will catapult and give us access to demand in a cost-effective way. How do I structure that? Right. Strategically, how do I want to approach it? Well, I mean, I, I get on the phone and I'll call someone like Lawrence Tosi or LT or Emil Michaels, um, who was corporate dev at, uh, ran biz dev at Uber, to get that kind of advice, to think strategically about you can approach it A, B, or C. These are the pros and cons to A, B, and C. No, you take that advice and you apply it. That's where having mentors allows you to grow a company um, in multiples. Any quotes that you like to live by or that you find yourself thinking of often? So Eleanor Roosevelt is somebody that I admire tremendously. And she has a handful of quotes. Um, I used to have one printed on my desk uh, when I was in my corporate environment. I don't have it now. But there are two things that, that she has said that I like to live by. First, Nothing has ever been achieved by the person who says it can't be done. And the corollary of that is a stumbling block is, to the pessimist is a stepping stone to the optimist. I, 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 I don't even have to ask why or what that means to you because it is so apparent from, <laughs> from the short conversation that we've already had. Um, if you could go back 10 years in time, what piece of advice do you think you needed to get back then that knowing what you know today, you would give yourself. Yes. So starting a company is moving a mountain. It really can't be done by a single individual. And I wish I had made more of an effort to apply the limited resources that I had to building out a team sooner and faster. The minute you surround yourself with talented, capable strong-minded individuals, you can achieve so much more than you can do on your own. And that's the challenge as a startup. You're always operating with scarcity, right? Limited money, limited resources. I have options that I can give, but do people value the options? And it's about getting people to believe in your vision, to be excited about it, 
picking the right people who have the talent and the desire to want to build. Somebody who's looking at having an experience that goes beyond a paycheck. If you can get quality talent, people who are better than you are in their field as soon as possible, then the sky's the limit. And I wish I had focused earlier and faster on building out the right team. Slight variation of that same question. Jacqueline, from 10 years from now, is coming back to give you advice today. <laughs> what, do you th what piece of advice do you think she's giving you today? So I'm laughing because I'm going to share a quote that still to this day makes me roll my eyes. In, and that is, Jackie, this is a marathon and not a sprint. And... <laughs> You know, these are words that my husband has iterated to me over the last seven years, but for some reason they had fallen on deaf ears for probably the first six. <laughs> and, you know, there were times where I wore myself into the ground and that doesn't just harm you as an individual. You're not there for your team. You're not there for the company. You are early on the core, the energy and, and the drive that keeps this organization growing and moving And so as a founder, you have to make sure that your energy resources are protected, that you are healthy physically and mentally. And so the advice I would give is however you have to do it, carve out time in your calendar, carve out weekends, make them sacred, and make sure you focus on your health and your well-being because that's what's going to give you the longevity and the energy to keep running this marathon. Love it. So let's switch into Miami rapid fire. I'm just going to throw a couple of different questions at you. The first thing that comes to mind, let me know what you think. Favorite food spot and dish. Favorite food type is Peruvian. But right now my go-to dish is the grilled chicken at Itaru. Grilled chicken? Where? At Itaru. Where is that? There are two of them. There's one in Hollywood on the ocean, and the other one is right on Los Olas at okay. 500 East Los Olas. Wow, they're getting a nice little promo here. Nice. Love <laughs> it. Favorite way to spend the Miami weekend? Oh, okay. So my husband and I have made a commitment to going to bed early, so we get up to watch the sunrise and walk on the beach. So that's how Saturday morning would start. Love it. Then we love to go to Yellow and Green Market where we can taste all of the incredible flavors of different countries around Central and South America and buy amazing produce. Then if we can top it off in the evening with a dinner with friends somewhere just to have a calm, enjoyable weekend, that's Saturday. And then Sunday is all about getting out on our mastercraft, getting on the water. Um, I'm learning how to wake surf. Not that well, but I'm making my <laughs> way through it. Um, if we can bring a paddleboard, a blow-up paddleboard, and head out near Hallover on the sandbar and visit some of the, you know, um, some little islands there, to me, that is a perfect weekend. Nice. So, yeah, I knew eventually it would find its way out into the water. So mm -hmm. let's do a slightly different variation of that one. Um, somebody who's listening to this, if this weekend they want to go out and it's their first time they're going to sign up on, on Boat Setter and they want to go out and experience Miami the best Give them a little bit of a, the perfect setup. You got experience. it. That's easy. So my recommendation, my boat, by the way, is on the site. Okay. If anyone wants to rent it, <laughs> uh, gorgeous, brand new Mastercraft, 26 footer. So my recommendation is you go to boatsetter.com. That's B-O-A-T-S-E-T-T-E-R.com. You type in where you want to go and then you can pick the boat. I would suggest for a simple, easy weekend with your friends, getting a runabout in 
22 to 27 foot range. If you want a captain, select a captain. And a great experience is head out to the sandbar at Hullover, have fun watching the people, enjoying a good lunch, then take the boat down and cruise down and look at the skyline of Miami. Um, that's wonderful. Um, if you want to sneak away into Oleta Park, you get a little bit of nature and some calmness getting away from the sandbar. But just spending the day on the water with friends and family, that is a gift in and of itself. So something like that. So if I'm interested in doing something like that on Boat Setter, mm -hmm. can you share what something like that may run mm -hmm. for that weekend or, or sure. that one day or something It totally like that? depends on the size of boat, but we have really affordable options as low as $150 oh, wow. for four hours, which you can get. Um, all the way up to the high end. If you want a yacht with captain and crew for, you know, a couple grand a day, these are boats that otherwise wow. one wouldn't have yeah. any access to. Dollar, yeah. Yes. So we have, we have thousands of boats to choose from. Wow. So something for everyone, whether you're looking for a more affordable economic option. And if you download the renter app and you want to go out with a bunch of friends, you can actually book the boat and then do split pay so that everybody can chip in and Very help cover cool. some of the costs. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you usually listening to? I'm an NPR junkie. NPR? Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. Any other businesses in Miami or people that you would like to show a little bit of love to that you think they're doing amazing, wonderful things? I'd like to place a call out to some of the organizations that are really helping grow the ecosystem for entrepreneurs. You have um, Endeavor uh, Miami. You have the Venture City. You have the Knight Foundation. Um, and the list goes on, but this community is making a serious concerted effort to support and nurture entrepreneurs. And I, I came from San Francisco, right? The heart of the startup world in Silicon Valley. And truth be told, I tapped into a few organizations there, but the warmth and the willingness to help and lend a hand is so much stronger here in the Miami ecosystem than what I experienced firsthand in San Francisco that we have a unique advantage here that one should certainly take advantage of. Anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to kind of share with the listeners that you think it's important to highlight? Sure. I'd love to highlight some things that are specifically happening here in Miami. So on Super Bowl weekend, tailgating on the water is a fantastic activity. And we are going to have a ton of boats available if you go online. In addition, around the Super Bowl, if you're in an Uber, we're going to be wrapping a bunch of cars. And if you happen to be in visual distance, you'll get a push notification on your phone with a discount to be able to book on Boat Setter. So keep your eyes peeled for Boat Setter boats and make sure you grab that discount on your phone when wow, it's driving by. Okay, um, taking over the game. <laughs> The next activity is in February with the Miami Boat Show. Uh, we'll have a presence there also with the cars driving around. So you can nab yourself another discount if you see any of the cars. But great opportunity to get on the water if you want to rent a boat that weekend and go see the Miami skyline. It's just a wonderful way to spend the weekend. And third from uh, two highlights from a product standpoint. We recently released our renters app, the booking app. So you can go onto the Android store or the app store and download Boat Setters renters app for a great experience locally in the US. In addition though, what a lot of people don't know is we have boats around the globe. So if you're planning a holiday vacation, any location in Mexico, the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, Croatia, a lot of Americans are going there. We have a ton of beautiful boats to choose from. Lastly, something to keep your eyes peeled in 2020, we're going to be adding fishing as its own category and experience with 
hundreds of qualified um, fishermen leading incredible fishing trips, not only in the U.S., but down in Guatemala, Costa Rica, Mexico. Okay. That is awesome. So lots to come. That's so cool. Jacqueline, thank you so much. Where can people find out more about Boat Setter? Where can they connect with you? Anything. The mic is yours. Very easy. Head to www.boatsetter.com. That's spelled B-O-A-T-S-E-T-T-E-R.com. There you can learn about the company and you can contact us directly, speak to someone on text chat or get on the call and talk directly with our VIP concierges to help guide you through your next adventure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Thank you for the time. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.